0: Well, we took a week off. It was the holidays. I've got a new job. Fumi's busy over January 4th. Big holidays in Japan, but we're back. We didn't go anywhere. It's the Pacific Rim Pro Wrestling Podcast. I'm Jim Valley, as I've mentioned before, from the Seattle area, and we head across the Pacific Ocean, across the Pacific Rim to Tokyo, Japan, and legendary writer and historian Fumi Saito. Hey, Fumi hello how are you good so as we've mentioned before yeah. on the show you yeah. do the announcing are you the play-by-play or the color man i'm the color man
1: i, the... I have play-by-play announcer with me okay. i don't have i don't have announcer voice <laughs> <Neither> <laughs> i do, do I. the color commentary and also uh, i do a quick translation of everything that's happening as the when it goes on and I translate real quick, then give a commentary on top of it. And this is kind for a
0: live stream for Raw in Japan.
1: And SmackDown. Monday Night Raw, Tuesday morning in Tokyo. SmackDown Live, Tuesday night in America, Wednesday morning in Tokyo. So every Tuesday mornings and Wednesday mornings, I do the live uh, streaming voiceover.
0: For Zone
1: the show called. goes on.
0: And it's DaZone. called
1: DaZone. DAZN. Yeah, yeah.
0: Now, is there any other way to watch Raw in Tokyo? Is this the only way to catch it on DAZN? Uh
1: There's a cable and, mm. and a CS satellite channel. Um, there's a sports channel called J-Sports. Uh, they carry two-hour version of Raw and LiveWire and SmackDown, the condensed version. They, they pretty much have uh, Raw and SmackDown and also a digest, you know, that highlights show here. With subtitles. Live feed is only uh, the zone and Japanese
0: commentary on top of it. Me. (laughs) So, as you're speaking, you have just gotten back from. Yeah, I just got back from the
1: Monday Night Raw 25th anniversary show. It was like a really, really good show, I thought.
0: Well, before we get into the uh... show, let's jump into the one thing that is very much associated with you. How yeah. surprised were you to see Chris Jericho on the anniversary show tonight?
1: Um, not so surprising. Um, I found that uh, you know, I found out about it a couple of days ago. He will be on the show, and in relevant role is what they're saying. It was relevant enough that they uh, they had a little skit with um, Elias backstage. And uh, he said, like, oh, you play music too?" Yeah, I play music. You know, this little skit and uh, relevant enough that uh, you just made the list so uh he was relatively or more like relatively relevant role in there and yeah, I, I think, think so. they yeah all the show lined up and i i've noticed that uh, they made sure that the all the legends are in there and the current superstar mingled with, you know, today's superstar. And, the, you know, legends and superstars are there to elevate today's superstar. you
0: know? And, and I have no problem with that. No, no.
1: It's not. It's nostalgia is fine, but uh, um, I believe that this 25-year anniversary show brought a lot of old audience back. On, 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 on to sit in home and watch Monday Night Raw, a lot of people left, right? See, 1990s into 2000, pretty much boom period, 4.5 million homes were watching Raw every week, pretty much. Four million homes. Today's Raw, what, 2.5 million homes, they're constantly watching. So I don't wanna say, it, but the, they have somewhat lost about a million audience in between. So I think today's show brought back a lot of blood of old old audience and they're showcasing today's superstar and uh, they will become you know this old fan who turned in today will become regular next week
0: well that's the Hopefully. plan I know I don't know yeah, that's I'm, plan. I'm going to <clears throat> and we've done yeah. this before. I'm going yeah. to disagree with you about the about the show, about the raw anniversary show. I was Okay, go ahead. Say I was nonplussed. Yeah. And maybe this could be my fault. Maybe I got my hopes up too much. I'm willing to take some of the blame, but I thought I thought the show opened hot. I thought the the Mr. McMahon stone cold yeah. interaction Very with aged. Shane and Stephanie you know, yeah. any other show, I mean, it's been done before. There's no question about it. Any other show, you'd be like, oh, this again. But Raw 25, the 25th anniversary, that is exactly what you want. It was perfect. Absolutely perfect. Oh,
1: you got to have Stephanie and Shane in, in the ring right away and call out, this is my father. You know, and he, he's going to, you know, he's going to come out like Mr. McMahon. Then he's gonna heal a little bit, you know. Okay, um, all only person who's gonna appreciate this is done is me. And then it just healed, you know. So, you know, thank you, Vince. Thank you, Vince. Called he turned that into heal mode, you know. That would naturally bring Stone Cold into the ring, of course. And it was done perfect, right? I think.
0: I thought that was, but I thought that that was the highlight of the show. And then I thought that it lost energy during the women's match. I thought they could have done that with just one segment instead of two segments. And then maybe use the other segment for something. And then, you know, I I get that they had a ton... Of special guests. They have a ton of nostalgia stars, and and I understand that the money is selling pay-per-views. I fully expected segments to sell the Royal Rumble. I expected a huge, a bunch of huge angles to sell the Royal Rumble. Uh, Those didn't really happen. And I just, you know, they do the same thing with these nostalgia stars as far as, they did the one segment with Kurt Angle, and then the coach, and then Harvey Whippleman, Brooklyn Brawler, Boogeyman, Brother Love, and and what have you. That was and lame, that, yeah. And, but then it was like, I don't, they just all see, I just, it just feels like they've done that so many times before. It didn't, I don't know. It didn't really work all that women's, well. And, women's eight-man tag team, eight
1: women's tag team, I have to add it. Uh, you, what you're saying, I understand. But the, it did serve purpose.
0: Yeah, it served a for purpose. For women's it Royal, very compelling, royal, but it royal a Rumble.
1: It was eight-man tag team with other girls in it, and also there was a spot where all eight women brought in the ring like a mini battle royal, so like a prelude. And also at the end, Asuka tossed her own opponent, you know, like this is what's going to happen at the Royal Rumble over the top rope, and she will be standing in the middle of the ring, so it was a prelude. It served the purpose, I believe.
0: That absolutely served a purpose. Um let me ask you, so do you does Oscar win the first women's Royal Rumble?
1: Well, she's obviously a favorite. Yeah. Yeah, obviously a favorite right now. Cause he will establish her to be the top position of women's division and this will move her onto a program against a person like Ronda Rousey.
0: Do you think that she's going to get Ronda Rousey? A single match position? I believe so. I really See, I don't know that... I love Asuka, and I think that'd be a great physical match as far as being able to pull off a match with Ronda Rousey. I think Asuka could... But WrestleMania is for a casual audience, and I don't know that the casual audience has been exposed enough to Oscar. I I think it's going to have to be. It doesn't matter. Really,
1: it doesn't matter. The focal point is Ronda Rousey, not the match. Whomever his opponent is happened to be just Ronda Rousey's opponent. I was, I'm sorry about Oscar, no, no, but. Uh, um, it doesn't have to be the match of the century. Debuting Ronda Rousey is the main point. The opponent is relatively less important.
0: We shall see. I wouldn't be surprised to see Oscar win and go on to face Alexa, uh, Alexa Bliss. Uh, And I don't know, Ronda Rousey, I think you've got to go to Stephanie McMahon, you've got to go to Charlotte Flair, Sasha Banks, somebody who's much more established. We'll see what happens. We'll see what happens. Mm -hmm. That's the fun of this show. We'll see what happens.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because remember, Ronda Rousey will go over, though, for sure.
0: Oh, yeah, of course, whoever she's facing.
1: So she is not going to beat Charlotte Flair, Flair, I don't think. If they have a match, it's one year or two years down the road. Plus, Ronda Rousey is, you know, the the his, uh, her her, uh, appearance is fine. But uh, as far as wrestling match in WWE environment, it's untested, you know, uncharted water. Only did run in and... uh, yeah first few six months to a year probably she will get by, you know, but uh after a while she will has to be able to work
0: She's athletic i mean certainly she has experience in real combat sports if she can just work light i mean she probably has some of the similar uh, movements at the point
1: it has to be has to be a wrestler,
0: yeah, just to a
1: it's not like, you know, you have to have a heart for wrestling. It's not like you're going through motion. You can see through that. Wrestling fans are not as dumb, you know. WWE fans are very educated, though, seriously. You know, you can't put just, you know, ex-MMA superstar into, you know, wrestling ring and sell it, you know. And probably initially, yes, very topical and uh, it's going to be a newsworthy thing and a lot of media will get on it. And after a while, uh, the, this is, a you know, aspect that they have to be very careful that, uh, you know, what happened to Sh- Ken Shamrock, you know, when he started super hot and the minute, you know, he bounced and start bouncing off the ropes, you lost it, you know, so. Um, Ronda Rousey will, will have to have very special treatment, has to be very much protected. But not today we're not, talk- we're not gonna talk about Ronda Rousey. We should find the time to do so because we don't have much information you know, as to when she's gonna really start and what she's gonna do or how committed she is or how committed the company is or how they communicate, you know what I'm saying?
0: So what about the rest of the show? Um, you know, I thought that the match—I was actually kind of nonplussed by the Roman Reigns Miz match. I, I thought that I thought it. I thought, it'd come, I thought they'd the wrestle okay. with more. I thought they'd wrestle with more intensity given the, the the you know that's the 25th anniversary. I thought it'd be like a real main event style match, and it was just kind of your basic raw TV. Yeah, past, they, have, yeah they
1: had to. Yeah, I, I thought it was like a, it looks like a regular match to me too. You know they they had to have remember they had to have brock brock lesnar and Strowman and kane at the very end of the show so they had to have roman reigns mismatch somewhere in the middle still title match it's a three and a half hour show so It went over time today it was like a three hour and 15 minute show altogether, and uh yeah it's pretty hard for today's audience to sit through all three hours, mm-hmm. right? And uh, at the very end of the show, you have to have Roman, I mean, uh, Brock Lesnar and Brown Strowman and Kane in there because that's the Royal Rumble main event and uh, they have to do the Paul apart kind of thing. So Roman Reigns in the match had to be in the first hour or something, right? It didn't have match title match feeding. I, I agree with you. Yeah,
0: I think that for me, uh, the most disappointing part of the show and yeah. something that they built up was, was The Undertaker. They built Came up, out. they built up The Undertaker, and he literally, I mean, I don't even know what he said, he said like nothing.
1: He was in character, yeah.
0: Yeah, but he was in character, but it's like he just said, talked about his vanquished foes, it was time for them to rest in peace, and I... I, All all
1: the legends? Yeah, Yeah. it's like it didn't... Who maybe wrote that line? Yeah. I don't know. And he didn't even take out the hood. No. I was was wondering how long his hair really is in regular life. Could be short, could be long. He didn't take off the hood, you know? Yeah, it was a little bit disappointing, in that, huh?
0: Yeah, I thought it was.
1: Yeah, and it kind of relatively short too. Segment was.
0: And also, is that all? Is that all? Right. Well, and also, yeah, it was a short segment. He didn't say anything, and 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 I gotta be honest, this is this is kind of a minor nitpick, but if you're in the Manhattan Center, yeah, he should have been dressed in the original costume with either the gray or the purple gloves, or he should have had some sort of nod to that original look being being on Monday Night Raw's set in the original Manhattan Center.
1: Yeah, he could have said that. And plus, um, at least it was not the costume and the hat that he had at WrestleMania. He retired that, right? So it was different costume, though, at least. That's true. But not the original purple or gray gloves or anything like that. And... Uh, you see, they they showed the an old clip from you know original 1993, 94 <laughs> raw. That the, yes, he looked tons younger. Of course, 25 years later, a lot of people aged. You know.
0: Yeah, living that tough wrestlers wrestlers life. That mm. wrestler life. That wrestler life, hard.
1: Good and bad, though, because yes, some of the older audience, including myself. Yes, I was there. I watched this episode. I watched this match. Yes, I was there, kind of feeling, and uh, you feel that, yeah, that was definitely 25 years ago. And so they were being pretty honest about it, you know, how you know how much older, you know, say, for instance, Shawn Michaels looked.
0: Boy, he then sounded he little, bad too. Yeah. I'm I'm and I mean this sincerely. I am not being snarky. Mm. Uh, yeah, I don't know if he's been sick or had throat surgery or maybe, you know, maybe there's some cognitive issues from the the rough style of wrestling. But he sounded and acted different.
1: He was yeah, a little... and then eyes yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But at least he was honest about it. That the honest being. At the... You know, one thing that bothers me is like uh, you're the boss now and talking to Triple H. It's relatively it's, that's relevant. Yes, D, when you say DX, Shawn Michaels was the, the you know your main guy and Triple H being sidekick originally. Now that you know the time has changed and Triple H is the main guy, main guy. You know, and uh, they admit it which is good
0: you know and you know what else i know i know you're friends with him and i know that d i know dx was much more popular but again you're in the manhattan center raw going back to 1993 i would have loved to have seen it would have been appropriate to see some sort of homage sean waltman is the one two three kid
1: I mean, dress up like One Two Three Kid.
0: I don't know, or just a like a like a blue wristband, like a light blue wristband or something. I get, I get that X Pac is is ten times more popular than the One Two Three Kid yeah. ever was, and that was the grew. peak of Rob. But it's like he was like the biggest, the first big upset, the first big real surprise moment. They in showed my the mind. clip. Yeah, I know yeah, you show the clip.
1: They but... kept showing the clips. Yeah, you know
0: they they could have done a an interv- like a quick interview with him, like in hindsight. I don't know. Mm. Mm.
1: And they, and also hardcore fans know about the click, but the click was never uh, a television faction. You know, so they had to introduce Scott Hall as Razor Ramon with Razor Ramon music. They were he was never part of DX either, but. Razor Ramon Scott Hall had to come out at that point. You know, he he came out, he
0: may have came out to the Razor Ramon music, but he came, he was in the character uh, of Scott Hall.
1: Yeah, but they will never say Scott Hall. No, Kevin Nash would have been Diesel there.
0: Yeah, even Jim Ross. Jim Ross almost said Scott Hall and he stopped himself and then didn't say (laughs) anything.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, because they're not relevant, you know. Jerry Lala looked pretty much the same, but Jim Ross aged, you know?
0: Uh, I was going to mention this. And again, yeah. I, I'm not trying to be a jerk. I'm just, I, but I've got to call it like I see it. Otherwise, it's just not fair. But I, I thought Jim Ross even just, I mean, his voice sounded weak. And of course, you're older. That that That's understandable. But he just, and I don't know if it's sadly the, the death of his wife, which is so tragic and everyone feels very bad mm. for him or what it is but he honestly and it's it's sad to say he does not have it anymore he doesn't his intros tonight well, he's were... not
1: today's announcer really
0: well he's not
1: although he does new japan programming a little bit but uh he's not today's announcer by any means he's
0: a shadow of himself and it's sad
1: yeah i suppose it was a nostalgia act you know That's what it was, though.
0: I understand that. I'm just.
1: Yeah, he's. She's not being brought back as a regular gig or anything, you know. So, there's two locations, Manhattan Center and Barclays Center, that uh, you needed two sets of you know broadcast team. And uh, remember, uh, Manhattan Center had the old logo looking. It's not F, but the same lighting. The ring was regular. Monday Night Raw ring with ropes are not just red, but red, white, and blue rope. Turnbuckle had old logo. Referees, like Mike Yoda, they dressed up with blue dress shirt with bow tie, like old Raw. They tried very hard. They saw, you saw ICO Pro logo, Monday Night Raw original logo there. They brought the whole atmosphere back, and um, I have to give them credit that. The 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 place looks like old Manhattan Center, like a time machine. Yeah. The feeling was there though.
0: Yeah, no, the that same, was pretty genius. Yeah,
1: and the same entrance and everything, you know.
0: They needed and Sabu those, to jump off the Raw A, the A in Raw, the sign, and almost fall.
1: Oh yeah, uh, yeah, that that happened. But uh, today's too many superstars. Yeah. Each and every legend in Superstar only had one segment. Even Flair or AJ Styles wanted to do an interview like Hulk Hogan with Mean Jean. You know something, Mean Jean? You know he did that. You know because he he said it in an interview. I always wanted to do this.
0: That was and, a good moment. Uh, I mean, there was... were there were moments that were good, but I just thought that overall the show lacked a lot of momentum, and the show was very paint by numbers. And I think. On the night when you mentioned when a lot of people, a lot of Laps fans are probably coming back, I, I sure. think you wanted something a little different. I think you wanted something with more momentum. I think you wanted it. To, I think you wanted a really much, a much faster-paced show, and you, you didn't really get that. You got kind of the same show with kind of the same legend segments we've seen before.
1: Yeah, but as I was doing the live commentary, it went so quick, though, so usually just, you know, Monday Night Raw, three hour thing, you know, we pace, you know, and we you take note and do this. And I got, you know, you know, that uh, running order, a piece, you know, piece of papers, you know, you just it gets kind of long. But uh, today, if I felt like, you know, it went so quick, though, you know, really did the, the match was rushed, you know, like. Matt Hardy against Bray Wyatt. The finish came out of nowhere, right? Yeah. The match was short. Uh,
0: I did think that was interesting, because back in the days of Raw, Matt Hardy has an underneath job guy and an enhancement talent, lost one time to in a TV match to Mike Rotunda. Uh, Yeah. Bray Wyatt's dad is IRS, so that was kind of a nod. I thought. I'm sure that was by design.
1: Yeah. Yeah. But uh, the, this, you know, Walk and Martin, you know, Matt Hardy and Bray Wyatt, you know, thing can be a, you know, can climax on important pay-per-view single match. Yeah. But they uh, rushed it so much that the finish came out of nowhere. You know, uh, what, what was the finish of Martin, Matt Hardy's? slipping my mind.
0: Oh, it was just a Sister Abigail, wasn't it?
1: Uh, no, it was. No, he was going to... Uh, um, his finish, and then then the Bray Wyatt pushed him into the rope, yeah. and something happens, and, and he right caught him into, with the sister
0: Abigail and pinned him pinned right him away. Clean.
1: Yeah, pretty much as if the program is over. Yeah. Maybe I'm wrong, but uh, they could have that sing a very single match at some very important pay-per-view. You know. We shall see. Maybe the feud isn't over yet. I don't know. But kind of almost wasted the whole single match, huh?
0: Yeah, I, I thought it was. I thought I felt bad for the people in the Manhattan Center. As you were watching the show, were you surprised? I mean, they didn't get to the Manhattan Center really until almost the third, the second hour.
1: Yeah, I guess people standing there and watching the monitor. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, they make let people you know make people sit and wait.
0: I guess a lot of people were mad. There were videos on Twitter about people getting upset. Yeah, and saying, yeah I read that too, stuff. yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I'd be mad too. Yeah,
1: but uh, this is a TV show, though. I know. This is for the audience at home. Our audience at home will be watching both, you know, segment, you know, going back and forth, Berkeley, and you know, Berkeley Center, Manhattan Center, and you know, all the venue in between. and it's, it's, The whole show is designed for audience at home. So you sacrifice live audience somewhat. Happens to the TV taping. You know, how long you make you wait between long four minute, five minute commercials.
0: So what did you? Yeah. Think of, I thought the last segment with Braun Strowman and uh, Brock Lesnar, and I guess Kane was in there too. Yeah, at one point, uh, I thought it went yeah, very yeah, quickly. Yeah. I thought they must have been they must have been uh, short on time because that went fast. I felt.
1: It already went already went time. It was after you know three hour, and then and, and, uh, that was you know our, our timetable. The past three minutes, three hours already. The show ended like three hours and 15 minutes, you know, it was already an overtime, but it was like, just like Paul Heyman's announcement, relevant this and relevant that. So bring your audience back to today's programming. You know what I'm saying? This is not a nostalgia act and the, Brock Lesnar had to be introduced as relevant reigning, defending, undisputed universal champion. Brock Lesnar and they, they they moved the clock back to the today's uh, you know program. That's how they had to end the show, you know, and made um people feel that Braun Strowman might beat Brock Lesnar for real this coming Sunday,
0: but here's the problem with that is i have been conditioned and i'm not the only fan out there from watching all these swerves it's like this is one of the things that makes you suspicious about oscar winning the women's match tonight and then braun Strowman with his hands up raised at the end of raw tonight was that
1: to end the show
0: yes right to end the show It, it you always feel like okay so they're going to do something completely different that this is a swerve that's what you always think, at least, right? Is that what you, is that what most fans think? Unless you're like nine. I'm not. No, I'm
1: pretty good fan that uh, take it as as it is. You know, I wouldn't suspect this word. Well, it's not, a lot of times I'd rather not know. You know, so it's oh, okay. Yeah. yeah. It's to end the show this way, you know. It looks like. Brown is your favorite, and Asuka is your favorite. That's what they want, want you to think, you know. So I don't read too deep into that, you know. And Asuka should win. she she should be elevated.
0: Yeah, we'll yeah. see what happens. Yeah. Any other thoughts on Raw the 25th anniversary? Um,
1: also elevated Finn Bálor. Oh
0: yeah, that's sweet. Because he was in the
1: middle. Yeah, cause not just that, but the, all the DX member gathered up to put Finn Balor over and put him right in the middle of that superstars, and <clears throat> and congratulated him. So uh, must have, you know, this and also uh, Triple H was the one raising Finn Balor's, you know, hand and look, this is this guy's today's superstar. So you have to, you know, they make you register. Okay, right. Finn Balor is a, some somebody really special.
0: So yeah. you obviously are in Tokyo, and you cover yeah. both New Japan and RAW. Obviously WWE. I saw people on Twitter that saw that segment as a message yeah. to the elite, to the Bullet Club. Uh, yeah. That that they thought it was kind of a the kind of somebody kind of flicking their nose at. Uh, at New Japan and at at the Elite at the Young Bucks at uh, Kenny Omega at the Elite uh, what do you what do you think? Do you think that was was that the case or was that just crowning day, hey, this is our young new superstar this is our superstar of today and that's that's all they were saying or do you think there was a subtext there to uh, people who do the Too Sweet or used to be able to do the Too Sweet in New Japan pro wrestling? Look
1: most of the these um, WWE Universe don't even know New Japan exists. See, only hardcore still. See, you're obviously a hardcore fan. And uh, I don't think WWTV will, you know, program anything to, you know, to target uh, New Japan's audience or somebody who's not there. You know what I'm saying? Um, They would rather pretend that Young Bucks don't exist, you know what I'm saying?
0: So you don't think it that, was anything?
1: No, nothing. No,
0: I, it, to be honest, I didn't. I didn't. It didn't even occur to me. I'm just. I'm just asking because I saw it on Twitter, and I thought people might want to know your opinion. Oh, uh,
1: because is Twitter fans read too deep into it. Because it's it's almost like a wishful thinking that uh, this you know, new Japan created American superstar will somewhat connect or margin to WWE ring or other things it's, um i don't think WWE producer pay that kind of attention to other people's you know products
0: fair enough
1: yeah yeah, yeah. cuz this is to them WWE <laughs> is the biggest thing ever
0: so there was one thing that i thought was odd about this yes. raw twenty five in the three hours they didn't really promote very much the actual Royal Rumble match the men's Royal Rumble match I thought that was kind of odd uh, they didn't they didn't no not really
1: no uh, not really they had interview with AJ Styles who is Smackdown superstar well talks about Smackdown
0: yeah, but he's, title match he, yeah his title match they talked about Roman reigns and uh yeah You know, maybe, but I, you know, they usually have some other stuff, but nope. I didn't, I didn't know. No
1: men's Royal Rumble, huh? No. And the main event is obviously Brock Lesnar, the triple threat. So it, yes, Royal Rumble, 30 men's Royal Rumble men's battle royal match is almost secondary now, huh?
0: Right. For this year, yeah.
1: Yeah. Probably having John Cena, probably. Is um, one of the theme. They were saying that uh, it's only second or third time that the that uh, John Cena is actually in in Royal Rumble match. See, but they didn't really have much focus on men's Royal Rumble at all. No, come think of it. No,
0: they had John Cena and Elias. That was that was kind of interesting.
1: <laughs> Very interesting, and John Cena didn't go over. Yeah, he got the crotch shot, and uh, who's standing in the ring? Standing was Elias, and also had a little tease with Chris Jericho backstage. So, the purpose was to elevate that guy, huh? Today,
0: I don't good. know if he
1: really elevated him or not, but uh, what they've done—little skit with Chris Jericho, and the in-ring skit was John Cena—and he, he, they gave Elias pretty good, you know, length of time in the ring you know, going into like a third hour of the, of the Raw, it gave him long period, you know, long segment. They really want to, you know, push him.
0: Yeah, he's the chosen one, it seems.
1: Yeah, it seems, yeah, to me, yeah. But they saved uh, this, you know, DX and New Age Outlaws, x Pack and Razor Ramon thing till very, pretty much the very end or the main event type of position at the Manhattan Center. So that was interesting. And also, they got beat right away, but the, the way they brought in the Revival, Dash Wilder and Scott Dawson, for, new, you know, for older fans, who are they, right? But uh, they were in a pretty good position, although they got beat, but uh, they were introduced like they were somebody.
0: Yeah, you know, beating the Revival is not that big of a deal. no.
1: Yeah, but the, the the position they were in, and then uh, the way they were brought in, and after all the superstars and legends are already in the ring, then the music comes out, and then uh, Dash Wilder and Scott Dawson come in and they go, "Wow, who are they?" But uh, they were in pretty good position, though. So these are today's su- superstar. Two teams, you know, the Luke Gallows and Carl Anderson against the Revival. So they uh, and also all the DX and Razor Ramon, X-Pac still in ringside, you know. So they had this superstar rub, you know, rubbing kind of, you know, atmosphere they had match. So they must have elevated them. It didn't come off like that, but uh, position-wise, yes. Don't get me wrong. It's pretty hard for me to look at... Dash Wilder and Scott Dawson and look at them like a su- big superstar or anything, you know? It's hard for me to you know, accept that, too. But the, the position, you know, they were in the position. They, uh, they treated like these two you know, teams are today's superstar team. Maybe. We'll I don't see know. I know it's, you know, Yeah, because I know it's hard for you to accept new new superstars, too, you know? It's hard for me? Yeah, because you don't look at the revival as a superstar, right?
0: No, but I I certainly saw Gallows and Anderson at one point as a superstar. And what they showed tonight, what WWE booked tonight, made me think, okay, maybe they're finally going to be able to realize their, their full potential in WWE. So... Um, you know, I thought the, and
1: Luke, uh, G- I thought the revival was great. The
0: revival was great at NXT, and then some of them. So, this is a, this is a rant for another for another show. But everyone gets so excited when whomever comes up from NXT, and there honestly, there have been so many acts that have failed on the main roster, and it's not from lack of talent. It's just because there's like two different promotions nxt and wwe are two different things and you need two different sets of skills and different size and different look to get ahead on raw or smackdown and the the nxt brand is is a little more retro i guess so
1: yeah plus yeah the, the length of match and the way they put it together is pretty different yeah And uh, when they were brought in, you know, up to the main roster, Raw or SmackDown, they look like they're rookies. Yeah, it's true. Yeah. Yeah. Some guys can click, but some guys still come off like rookies. And, uh, yeah, the revival, those two guys don't exactly look like superstars just yet. You know, that's true
0: you never know because things could change you never know anything else on the yeah. 25th anniversary of raw mm. Mm. well that an interesting thing you know
1: the way they use rick flair you know the alexa bliss and charlotte flair is two two brand champion and uh they were gonna you know you know stand face to face then rick flair comes out so that was how rick flair is being used to you know today's you know. I guess the timing, I guess.
0: Mm. So, uh, yeah. over the holidays, you went and saw, or I guess last week, I guess it was, you saw Stardom. Last at, weekend. Yeah, this yeah. Class, at Cork and Hall. You saw Stardom at Cork and Hall. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah. what are your thoughts? What were your thoughts?
1: Oh, this is another Cork and Show, yes. Yeah. It was good.
0: What about uh, Rachel Ellering? She was there for the first time, wasn't she? yeah and then she
1: actually she came in at the like end of December, so she spent a whole month here. he didn't she didn't go home for Christmas or New year's and she was here till like a couple of days ago and uh, yeah, she had a pretty good tour and kind of reminded me of the time that the Sean Waltman came in for the first time, you know you know when she was you know when Sean Waltman was one one to three kid lightning kid, he was still nineteen when he came over and it kind of reminded me of of him you know she um Yes, Rachel, has, Rachel Ellering has big potential and also great attitude. Great attitude about wrestling and coming to Japan. And I brought her to Bo Nakano's spot a couple of times too. Oh, fun. Cause, yeah, because uh, um, Rachel's hero is Bo Nakano. You know, she had all the 8 by 10s and T-shirt and all the videotapes and everything, you know, and she explained that to Bo, you know, how big of a fan she is, you know, and then uh, uh, Bonacano gave her her blessing that the, you use big leg drop off the top of the finish or something. She, Bonacano gave her a blessing. You know, to use the leg drop.
0: That's very sweet. Yeah, I did see one picture, I think, outside the door. Of the the not picture not of yet. a young Bonacano and Bull and then Rachel in front of that door, the door that you walk into on the left, I think it is.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. We took picture there.
0: Oh, have you seen the picture? Yeah, yeah. I think she tweeted it out. I think I saw it on Twitter.
1: Okay, okay, okay. Right. Because first time we went over there, um, um, Bo had to leave for some meeting or something, and and she, you know, we we were gonna wait, but well, it's like uh, okay, let's come back sometimes, and uh, she didn't get to take picture with Bo for the first, you know, first time she was there. So she before she left. She wanted to go back to the bar one more time and I, you know, kinda of arranged that uh Bo wasn't gonna be there, but she showed up just to see Rachel. And uh yeah. Bo put that picture up on her blog too, you know. And Maybe that's where nice. it
0: was. Maybe that's it was from Bo Nakano. that's where it was. That's who Bo that's Nakano's where I blog.
1: Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh we took pictures and uh she was really happy and uh yeah. Uh, not because she's a daughter of Paul Ellering, but uh, she um, she has this resting, you know, heart, attitude. You know, like a, you know,
0: well, I know that you, know. you were you were close to Road Warrior Hawk, and she was close yeah. to Road Warrior Hawk. She called him Uncle Hawk.
1: Yeah, Uncle Hawk. Yeah, yeah.
0: So that must have been. And fun I know for
1: you. I know her mother too. So, yeah, Paul Ellering's first wife. You know.
0: So, uh, yeah. Stardom has got some pretty good momentum, though. It seems like it seems like there's there's renewed interest. I wanted to ask you about this, just generally speaking. It seems like I think there was a there was a, a tweet the other day. It might have been from Striga that said it wasn't like the biggest crowd. It was like three to five hundred, but Noah sold out like their first show in years. Uh, Big Japan is doing well. Obviously, we've talked He's about talking about Japan. Hall. I no, it wasn't. It wasn't. It wasn't at Korakuen Hall because Korakuen Hall is bigger. But it was. I forget where the place was. But they said, you know, uh, Shinkiba, maybe that's what it was. Yeah, Shinkiba. Yeah. That sounds right. Yeah.
1: yeah, yeah, Shinkiba first ring, Yeah,
0: but what do you? Oh, they
1: always sold out there. Yeah, sold what? Out there. What
0: do you think is responsible for what? What's the tide that's raising all these boats in wrestling in in Japan and in Tokyo?
1: Ooh, it's wrestling always been pretty popular in Japan, for one thing. And there was a bad time that, you know, 2005, 2006, and I really felt danger that wrestling going to survive, you know. But it's been 10 years, and and, uh, thanks to New Japan's rise and uh, Tanahashi era, that he really brought the popularity back. And uh, people don't, you know, don't give Tanahashi enough credit. But I do think it was a lot to do with his popularity and energy. And, uh, you know, to bring, you know, wrestling, you know, back to this pop popularity, you need to reconstruct the whole new set of stars, you know, Shinsuke Nakamura, the, you know, Naito a little bit, and, you know, you need the whole new set of stars, just like after how Hogan left there was a down period, WWE, in WWF at the time, you know, until Bret Hart and Shawn Michaels, you know, that they were put in the position to be champion and everything, but it took them for a while, mm-hmm. you know, while WCW was relatively popular with NWO, because NWO, you had Hulk Hogan as a heel for the first time ever, you know, not ever, but, but uh, you know, black and white, you know, NWO, or talent like Kevin Nash, Scott Shawn, Sean, all, all moved to you know, one company to the other. And it was an exciting time for WCW. But uh, yes, I believe wrestling fans are with company. You know, if you love New Japan, you will be following New Japan for a long time. If you're a fan of all Japan, you will be following that logo. You know, kind of stars fine, star power, yes. But the wrestling fans have this certain um, sentiment, I, I should say, that I, I grew up watching New Japan, so I'm always going to be watching New Japan kind of thing. You know, up, there are ups and downs, you know, but uh, yes, you're yeah. always going to need a new set of stars to come up.
0: I think it was Striga who tweeted out that uh, in 2017, stardom attendance was up 20%.
1: Yeah, they ran more shows too.
0: Well, that could be it.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so, yeah but they were running more shows and the, having the crowd up 20%. That's, that's a, quite an accomplishment.
0: So uh, mm-hmm. January 23rd. Yeah. Is the, uh, would have been, the 80th been. birthday of Japanese legend Le- Le- right behind Ricky Dozier. Giant, Giant Baba. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Did was yeah. was there any member? was there any memorials or anything, uh today for his birthday? Mm, actually not. No.
1: Actually no official memorial or anything like that. Yeah, to tell you the truth. Memorial is this. The people remember him and talk about him, you know. Nothing official of old Japan doing it because today's old Japan is not Jan Baba's old Japan, you know. Yes, the old Japan today today's old Japan yet yeah, has Mrs. Baba's blessing because Akiyama's running it, but it's not the same company, you know? And also, I don't think Mrs. Baba follows wrestling anymore, you know?
0: Does she ever make appearances anymore?
1: Uh, no. When, when, when she handed the company to, you know, like Muto uh, back in 2002, he made appearance. When she brought Tenru back, she was there. And also she made one appearance when Akiyama took over the company, but other than that, I just don't think she follows wrestling at all. Not today's wrestling, no.:
0: Okay, I was just curious.
1: Yeah. yeah. But yeah, there's no official memorial or anything like that. Um, but the news and magazine would, you know, run a story on Jan Baba pretty much every year. This time of the year,
0: yes. So we've obviously he would have been 30, 80, yeah. Yeah, we've obviously talked about him before in the past, and how he and Inoki are, 1A, 1A, 1, 1A, 1B, whatever, right underneath yeah. Ricky Dozan when it comes to the pyramid of Japanese wrestling legends. Those are your top three, with Baba and Inoki tied for second.
1: Yeah, yeah, definitely. And both Baba and Inoki started very same day, you know, April of 1960, you know, under Ricky Dozen. Baba was um, ex-Tokyo Giants pitcher, major league, you know, Japanese major league baseball. He he was a pitcher. He was already 23. And the same day Inoki started, but he was just 17-year-old guy. You know, that uh, Ricky Dawson discovered in Brazil. And uh, yeah, so 17 year old rookie to 23 year old, you know, ex baseball player. Starting was like, um, Jan Baba was already promised superstar to be, and Inoki was more of an underdog. That was what drove him. He was driven because of it.
0: now a lot of people a lot of the matches that i see get shared on youtube or social media tend to be the ones where he was much older do you you have any favorite baba matches or any famous baba matches that aren't like the older comedy ones where he was middle of the card oh no no how about like
1: 1967 um baba against gene kuniski single match 1967, Baba against Bruno San Martino, single match. 1968, Baba against Bobo Brazil, single match. Those are very good single match. Oh, Baba against Krasharysolski. Baba against Dick the Bruiser. See, Baba is like almost like a generation older than Inoki's heyday. See, um, Baba's peak was in, in late 60s instead of 70s. Also, probably that the 1975 match where Jan Baba beat Jack Briscoe for the first time to become NWA champion, December of 74, I believe. Yeah, that match was pretty good, color. But uh, his peak period, I believe, was like a 67, 68, 69. Baba against Dick Buyer, the Destroyer. Those are the Baba's prime time match. You know, that's hard, yeah. Uh, but you can find those tapes. It's in uh, YouTube or it's in DVDs. The Baba's peak period, I believe, is in the late sixties, and Inoki's peak period don't start until like mid seventies. Inoki's best matches are, in my opinion, Inoki against Strong Kobayashi, Inoki against Billy Robinson, yeah. And he went into those uh, work MMA kind of thing. Yeah, so But those are all Inoki match Not good wrestling match
0: You know what I'm saying? Is there anybody I mean from a promoting standpoint I don't think there's anybody that you can compare with Baba Is there anybody Is there any sort of giant In wrestling that's ever been that you could compare Giant Baba to As far as Bell to Bell? Hmm
1: When Andre was good He was good not the under the giant 1987 wrestlemania 3 under the giant but uh, when andre had long hair with short trunks and having a single match against people like antonio Inoki, you're talking like in 73 74 andre actually was good work oh andre against stan hansen 81 that was good
0: now that's uh, a pretty famous match isn't that a, isn't that the match where andre wasn't really working as hard as Stan wanted him to and Stan just kept coming out of him and coming out of him and pushing him mm
1: and that uh and also Stan was uh, really convincing that uh, he could you know people thought Stan could beat under the giant single match or something yeah believable match and body slammed him too you know yeah.
0: But was there was there another dynamic in that match with Andre and Stan Hansen where maybe Stan was trying to get Andre gassed in the match? Because he kept, you know, from what I was told and what I, what I think I saw, and I'm not a tremendous expert, but it sure looks in that match on YouTube that, you know, Andre is kind of on his bicycle a bit with, with Stan Hansen and not wanting to 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 expend too much more energy and stan is just pushing and just just driving forward and driving forward and driving forward and really trying to make andre really work for it oh
1: that's gee, just uh, you know the watching the video it has to be their own you know your own judge you know it's not relevant you know that i mean that 1981 atmosphere Star, you know, that Stan Hansen uprising superstar to be, you know, not quite as big a star as when he will be at the end of the decade, you know, and uh, Stan probably will be bigger star with all Japan. You know what I'm saying? But while he was working with Inoki in New Japan, he was like a uprising superstar to be. In you know 1979 or 80, he even beat Inoki for the title. Remember, wasn't a one-two-three pin, was a count out. But uh, back in 1979, back 1980, to be able to beat Inoki was such a big deal.
0: Yeah, so, no, uh, you're right. It's true.
1: Yeah, but Andre, I don't know about pushing Andre, but uh, Andre. Is actually a lot better worker than most people think. You know, there was a decent single match, um, actually like a half dozen, you know, single match against Antonio Inoki, single match, 78, 79, 1980. Andre had very good single match against Inoki. And he was movable, he was moving, you know, doing a lot of things, you know. Andre and Inoki suplexing each other, you know, believe it or not, you know. They were good.
0: So one of the things we saw in
1: videotape. So one of the yeah. things
0: we said we were going to talk about uh, after we got through uh, Wrestle Kingdom 12. Yeah. Was uh, Hulk Hogan in Japan. Yeah. And, um, I mean, You, know, you I mean the early 80s? Yeah, the early 80s. Mm-hmm. And he was really, I mean, he was making probably his biggest money at that point in his career in Japan more than he was making in the United States.
1: Oh, I believe so, yeah. 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 Now, he was... After he After Stan left, he got, yeah, he got raised too, yeah. To stay with, uh, stay with New Japan, yes.
0: So for those, go ahead and explain when Stan left. Well, because this is
1: a main, you know, main gaijin spot. You know, when Stan Hansen was standing, Hulk Hogan pretty much took that spot. Number one American. And babyface. Had a tag team, you know, made a tag team with Inoki to win the tag team championship and all that tag team tournament. Yeah. And he was pretty political, too, that, the, see, Terry Funk was going to... Um, get Hulk Hogan for All Japan too, you know. But uh, Mm -hmm. Hulk Hogan told New Japan that uh, um, uh, he's been asked to go move to All Japan and uh, New Japan stopped him, you know. No, you stay here. and uh, Give you a top position.
0: Was he really going to All Japan or was that just a negotiating trick?
1: He could have because he apparently he told Terry Funk that, okay, I'll, I'll come. Then probably Terry Funk believed in and Terry Funk got you know angry, and that was at the, you know around the same time, Terry Funk and Hulk Hogan had a single match in South Africa. You know that was after Rocky III movie, the, the promoter in South Africa wanted that guy from Rocky III movie, and Terry Funk was going over there, and Terry Funk as Rocky Bobo, and going against that, that blonde hair big guy. And the match actually happened twice, two matches. And there was controversy because no videotape exists. And and those, you know, two matches they had in South Africa. Maybe they videotaped, but nobody has discovered it. But uh how how Hogan told Japanese press that he beat Terry Funk in South Africa and Terry Funk said to Japanese newspaper, No, no, he did not beat me. It was DQ. And there was a confrontation that actually Terry Funk brought all the photographers and reporters with him and meet Hulk Hogan at the hotel, you know, and to get the story straight. And Hulk Hogan didn't meet him in front of everybody, you know. So there was more to it than that.
0: And didn't Hulk Hogan uh, kind of back down?
1: Yeah, it depends on who you listen to or who you, you know, what you've read. You know, you'll never know. You'll never know, you know, because he was not a wrestling angle. It was more of an angle that that Terry Funk created on his own.
0: So what about the famous match? And I only saw it in, I think, uh, Pro Wrestling Illustrated. But yeah. uh, Dusty Rhodes against Hulk Hogan in Japan.
1: Yeah, well, you have to remember that uh, Dusty Rhodes was at the time was much bigger star than the young Hulk Hogan. Right. Twenty-seven-year-old Hulk Hogan was not quite as big a star, and also still three, a third year, fourth year rookie. You know, in business, you know, and not quite as seasoned, you know. And it was good because. Um, Dusty Rose worked babyface style you know, match in Japan for the first time. And uh, see, when you have like single match Dusty Rose against Antonio Inoki, Inoki naturally is a babyface and Dusty Rose will be working like a heel, right? That doesn't really translate what American dream Dusty Rose should be. You know, He has to work babyface you know, to all oh, the dancing and the elbow drop and all those things. You know, uh, so Hulk Hogan against Dusty Rose in Japan was Dusty's very good match because he did American baby face moves against young heel Hulk Hogan then. see, Dusty Rose is one of those those American wrestlers. It's very hard to get over in Japan because he wouldn't be doing what she does in America. You know what I'm saying? If he had all the Florida match, you know, type of match in Japan, he would have been different kind of star, you know. But at the time, New Japan had a different structure. All Americans are heels, you know, guys like, you know, Dusty Rose or even people like, say, um, Pedro Morales or somebody come to Japan. He works heel, you know what I mean? So it's not the same guy. See, I always scratch my head as a kid. See, this is not the same Pedro Morales you read in wrestling magazine, you know, big babyface in America. For some reason, you know, come to Japan and work like a heel. And I was going, it's not it, is it? You know, it's different because Inoki in New Japan, Japanese wrestlers are always total babyface and all Americans were like heels. They didn't recognize American. You use America's as baby face until Hulk Hogan. You know, whereas old Japan and Jan Baba always had a lot of American babyface. See Dory Funk and Terry Funk, the Funks, Mill Maskers. All these people come from America and work exactly the same. You know, so Terry Funk, Dick Slater, Dory Funk, uh, even Young Ted DiBiase they all worked like Babyface and they got over differently. A little different structure, you know? Different so setup, I should say.
0: Who went over, for those who don't know, who went over in Hulk and Dusty?
1: Ah, I don't remember. It must be DQ, because if it was clean, one, two, three, I would remember
0: it. Yeah, I think it was you DQ. Know,
1: Dusty okay. Go- yeah, it's gotta be. Dusty Rose against Bob Backlund. To babyface, right? But didn't, the single match happened in Japan.
0: And didn't Dusty work subtle heel?
1: Uh, more of like a diversity type of guy, you know. In the parts of the match, he turned into heel. And parts of match or end of the match, he'll turn back into babyface or something like that, you know. Yeah, so, yeah. And also, when Dick Murdoch and Dusty Road team up as a Texas Outlaws, they would work Toro heel style, even w- within the same tour, though. So, some match Dusty Rhodes worked like heel, some matches he worked like babyface. Kind of confusing, but uh, that's how they worked. Yeah.
0: I remember seeing the uh, pictures, and I think it was in Pro yeah. Wrestling Illustrated again when I was a kid of Dusty. And Bob Backlund wrestling. It's like Dusty versus Bob Backlund. It happened in Japan. In Japan. And given probably the politics of the United States at the time, you know, that match probably couldn't have taken place probably, you know, maybe in Florida, I guess. No, not
1: in New York, no. But definitely not in in New York.
0: Yeah, not going to happen.
1: No. Both babyfaces, right. Probably, yeah, that tape exists, though. Yeah. And, uh... And Dusty Rose worked as serious he could, you know, like a title match kind of wrestling match. Right. You know, it yeah, starts clean. You know, collar and elbow, lock up, tie up, and do the headlock, takedown, head scissors, get up. You know, did very you know serious single match, title match type wrestling content. You know, and then uh, something happens, or somebody like Taiga Jitsin runs in and uh, destroy the match or something. And uh, both of them, both Dusty Rose and Bob Backen, you know, walk out of the ring, both being babyface or something like that.
0: Well, we'll yeah. have to do uh, more Hulk Hogan. Maybe we'll do it next week and we'll get into more yeah, of Yeah, because
1: Hulk Hogan was superstar in Japan before he was big superstar in America. That's one thing. That's for sure. Yeah. And he learned so much about carrying himself like a super, super, you know, big superstar mm-hmm. by watching Inoki.
0: So before we go, there is one thing I forgot to ask you at the beginning of the show. Yeah. And I'm sorry about that, everybody. Uh, what is it? So Monday Night Raw, 25 years. Yeah, yeah. Is there any wrestling TV show in Japan That is comparable or has any sort of legacy or nostalgia in the vein of Monday Night Raw?
1: Well, Friday Night, you know, Friday Night Wrestling, New Japan. Actually, it's not even New Japan, but um, Channel 4, ever since Ricky Dozen's days, since like 1958, you know, always had Friday Night, 8 o'clock. So they ran a lot longer than Monday Night Raw. And Inoki's uh, World Pro Wrestling on Channel Ten, they ran um Friday night, eight o'clock, you know, starting like in seventy four all the way till like eighty eight. So yes, Japanese network television ran longer than Monday Night Raw, actually.
0: Yeah. Okay, I was just yeah, curious if there's any sort years, of tradition so, like yeah. that.
1: Uh, they treated it like a sports broadcast, so they didn't really count it like a episode. Two thousand, one thousand, you know, two hundred eighty-seven episodes or something like that, you know. But they, I'm sure, they had a lot longer than, than one thousand two hundred eighty-seven episodes altogether, because they ran forty years, you know. Same time slot, time slot, you know. So, uh, so it's not like Monday Night Raw was the longest-lasting wrestling show, but when you think about it, WWE always had you know different wrestling show you know before Monday Night Raw. So it depends on how you count it, you know. Yeah, wrestling show has been around.
0: Yeah, I mean if you're just talking about WWE programming, that's that's impressive. But I mean if you're talking about one show with the same name and same continuity well then yeah then you're into a different ball game because I mean even Portland Wrestling which I grew up watching we're still on right. the air longer well, but than the, Raw right now New
1: Japan show was always called World Pro Wrestling World Pro Wrestling and the same logo same you know it's ever since I was a little kid so they've been running you know a lot longer than Monday Night Raw for sure though you know
0: well I was just curious alright then well look uh, we should uh, wrap up, but we'll be back next week yeah. and we'll talk the history of Hulk Hogan and anything else that's exciting and newsworthy. Probably well, do the Royal Rumble yeah, wrap I don't know up. If anybody
1: has question and we haven't had questions and answers for a while, yep. So I, um, I'm asking people to you know, uh, yeah, come up with some questions and I like to be able to answer some.
0: And where could they ask the questions at?
1: Sumihiko Dayo. S U M I H I K O D A Y O from Dayo at twitter
0: and i'm jim valley on twitter and we will wrap up the royal rumble next week and uh we'll yeah. be much more consistent now that we're out of the holidays i promise you. <laughs> yeah mm-hmm. yeah so until next time all right so long from tokyo thank you